0: One, two. Oh, there we go. And that, I was going to talk about fear, and this is actually one of the fears that I have. Come up here and nothing works. So I wish I could say I planned that, but I didn't because I wasn't as smooth as I'd like to be. But uh, fear is a, such a driving force and such a motivator in our life, isn't it? So much of what we do, what we say is built around the fact that we are afraid, afraid of something. This, this last three weeks, four weeks now, we've been looking at the question, what's in it for me? And so much of that question is driven by the fact that our fears do not want to be realized. We're afraid somebody is going to find something out about us. We're afraid we're going to lose someone. We're afraid something is going to be known that's going to embarrass us. We don't want to be found out. We don't want to lose control. We want the appearance of everything being perfect and put together in our lives. So much of all of our decisions are motivated by fear. We create huge Instagram accounts where we curate our lives and, and seem that everything's working out. We're the best parents. We're the best husbands, wives, girlfriends. We're the best of something. Our Facebooks are filled with control feed stories of, well, look what I'm doing. Look how happy everybody is. And even when somebody actually does something on social media that's a little bit awkward or that maybe they shouldn't say that, we kind of go, oh, wait a minute. That seems wrong because we have this unwritten rule that everything that appears about us should seem like everything is working out, and so when it doesn't, we don't know what to do. We're shaken up, and I think part of that idea that everything should work out is because we live in the West. Part of our culture says that if you just do enough right things, if you just work hard enough, if you just put in your time, things will always work out. They'll always come your way, and things will always seem positive. I found I noticed that in one of my sayings when my boys were very little. They were running around, and they were happy, and they were just that delirious happiness where they're just so manic and they're crazy, and they're fun. And I remember saying out loud to my wife as we wa- were watching our kids play, and I said, oh man, so much sunshine, but rain is coming. And she looked at me and said, why did you say that backwards? I said, what do you mean? She said, well, we usually say, you know, if a child is crying, don't worry, sunshine's coming. I said, not in Ukraine. <laughs> you might be happy now, but something bad's coming. In canada our western perspective our our way of looking at life is yeah there might be some hiccups on the road but something good is coming your way yes there might be a storm right now but something good is going to come out of it and i'm not sure if that's always true now i've been very fortunate in my life to have uh in-laws who have a great cabin and for many years my family since our boys have been born we've been going to the cabin in the summer for a weekend or for a week And we would go boating and we just enjoy the sunshine and enjoy being away from electronics and just have fun together now part of that fun is they have a boat so we got to get it all ready and then we get the tube out and if you're not sure what the tube is it's basically a three-seater couch that floats and you attach the rope to the boat and then you take it out on the road and all of a sudden what was a comfortable ride turns into something that's less comfortable now we have uh we have friends from vancouver in a time when we lived there that were coming to visit us and they're bringing their kids and they kind of haven't really enjoyed that Saskatchewan cottage cabin time. So we kind of planned this great weekend for them. We thought, you know, we'll take them to the cabin. We're going to get some boat rides in. We're going to do some tubing. We're going to, you know, enjoy that being in nature and away from things. And so we kind of had like, you know, you visualize this great time that you're going to have together. And uh, they get here and we kind of pack everything up in Saskatoon and we're driving out to the cabin and we're looking at the weather. And sure enough, it looks like it's going to be a rainy weekend all weekend. And we're like, oh, man. Now, my boys are kind of used to this because it's sometimes you just, that's the weekend you can go and it's rainy. We still go on the tube because it's fun. So they're kind of used to the cold weather. But we thought, oh, man, I wonder if our friends will be able to handle this. And uh, will they really even enjoy it? So we get to the cabin and we're kind of unpacking. And sure enough, the sky just, you know, clouds start going away. Sunshine starts you know going out and it's getting warm out there and it's like the temperature is just rising we're thinking like man this is awesome we have this small window where it's really good weather so we better get the boat ready we better get the tube ready get on the water so we can enjoy our time together because the next day is going to rain so we hustle and get everything in order and get everything organized and get all the life jackets and get all the swimming stuff get the boat ready get the big pole up that you know that you pull the tube with on the boat and we get all that ready and we get out on the lake and we get out of the bay into the big lake and we're just enjoying it. this is like this is perfect thank you jesus that it's all worked out i'm sure you really cared about our little weekend here so this is perfect thank you for doing that just for us and we're just enjoying it and tubing around and it was like the movies like just there was no warning sign you know there wasn't the clouds were just slowly moving in we we're thinking oh we should go it was sunshine and all sun it was just black and just pouring rain and thunder and we're like, okay, we better get back. This is not a good idea. I'm not, a, I'm not too bright, but I know it's not good to be on water when it's thundering, so okay, let's get going. So we have some people on the tube still, so we pin the boat. I pin the boat. It's like, let's go. Let's get back to shore, and sure enough, of course, the, po- uh, the tube pops. So now it's deflating, and it's thundering, and it's rain, and it's coming down, and we're pinning, and I'm like driving, and I'm thinking, okay, I have kids there. I have kids here. What's the best option? Do I just you know, gun it and let them hold on while it's deflated and hopefully make it to, you know, this is how I'm thinking, make it to shore, or do I stop and pull them all in? Like, what do I do? What is the process of operating? What's the best thing to do? And I'm praying through this whole thing, and so finally I'm like, well, that, they're really getting underwater here. I better stop. So we stop. It's raining and thundering. We're pulling the kids in, and we're getting them into the boat, and we're getting this deflated tube into the boat, and it's huge, and this whole thing, and all of a sudden, lightning hits like 200 meters from us, yeah. Um, I don't know if you're a praying person, but in that time, you pray. It doesn't matter what you believe. You pray. So we get everybody in. We hustle back. We made it, obviously, safe to shore. I wouldn't tell a story if we didn't. Um, we make it there. And it was interesting to watch. We all lean into each other. We're all like, stay away from that metal pole in the middle of the boat. Everybody come over here. <laughs> Hug me. We're praying. We're getting there. And, uh, and it's amazing how organized your kids can be, even at a very young age, when there's danger around when there's fear around when there's a motivator anybody can be very organized but it's the reality fear is a motivator in our life and over the last three sundays we kind of discussed the topic of what's in it for me we really unpack things and today's our kind of conclusion of it and i want to look at fear and i want to look at why it influences that question before we do just a small wrap up of what we've what we've learned so far so first thing we learned that um an attempt to have life your way you actually don't get to live your way in our pursuit of freedom in our pursuit of doing whatever we want with our life in finding meaning for our life when we look at ourselves selfishly when we just live for ourselves we find ourselves in situations in places in life where we never wanted to be in in the first place we find that we when we use our freedom just for ourselves we actually become enslaved into another way of living And so we learned that in freedom, we actually want to find to serve and live in the pattern in the way of Jesus. Because when we live for others, when we live to love our neighbors, when we live with a vertical relationship with God and a horizontal relationship with our neighbors, we begin to find meaning and purpose in our lives. The next week, we looked at Shrewd Manager. We looked at the lesson of how God perceives our resources, our money, and what we should do with them. And we learned that how we use our money illustrates Who our master is we learned that uh and unpacked that generosity is not a financial issue it is a heart issue that people with very little and very much can be generous or not generous and last week we looked at the importance of spiritual disciplines we looked at the reality why we should set our life in a pattern of following jesus because the reality is no matter how we live whether consciously or unconsciously we will have a rule of life we will all live in a certain way. We all have a pattern that we run our life by. And so when we looked at Jesus' life, we found that when we set our life in his pattern, we find freedom, we find hope, and we find meaning. And we looked at and we said the training in godliness, which is the spiritual disciplines, develops the whole person. That God is not just after our spirit. He's not after just some religious action these actually after the whole person body mind and spirit and so we unpack how to understand our freedom our time our resources and how to create healthy lifestyles but today i want us to specifically look at how fear is a large motivator in what we do in our life now what makes life fun and chaotic is disruptions that come our way and sometimes these unpredictable disruptions can seem unfair unreasonable And yet other times they are very welcomed interruptions. They are welcome change of pace in our life. Things like romance, a new friend, a raise at work, are great disruptions. Bring those on. Those are awesome. And yet other times they can disruptions can enter our life and can be incredibly painful, like a death of a loved one, a sickness, a loss of a job, a breakup in the family. These things throw us into confusion. make us feel like what's the point of it all and life may seem to be spinning out of control you know it's interesting i think about my own life i'm i'm 40 years old and this is about the time that my parents had immigrated to canada and i think about that how hard that must have been to uproot you know when you're little it's kind of all a blur but now to think of it as a parent with two kids how it would be like to uproot everything everything that you know everything you understand and move somewhere else not have the language and not be able to do the jobs that you were trained for your whole life to start all over what do you do with that kind of disruption how do we navigate these things in our lives things we choose or things that have been thrust on us and so i want to unpack these disruptions and i will call and i want to say that these disruptions in our lives are like storms because storms always show up no matter how good or how bad you've been storms come our way as a pastor, I've been able to see in my time that no matter what your economic status is, no matter what your religion, no matter what your gender, no matter what your age, no matter what your race, storms always show up. And ultimately, at times, we least expect them. Now, a way to deal with storms, a way to deal with fear, with problems in our life is something called resilience. Resilience. Resilience is something to be able to bounce back from storms and, and through our days, through our weeks, and to live in a life knowing that disruptions may arise, but there's a hope, there's a future, there's something past these storms. In, the, in this concluding message of our series, What's in It for Me?, I want us to understand that disruptions in our life could possibly make us chaotic, but there is a hope, and it comes with resilience. Now, resilience is being able to roll with the punches. This is a popular saying. It's a boxing term, which basically means to step to the side or step back. So when punches come your way, you're able to absorb them or lessen the impact of the punch on your life. And so, learning to understand the storms of our life with resilience allows us to enter into purpose of life. Because no matter what our Western thinking is to say, well, things will always work out. Things will always be okay. Sometimes they're not. And when they're not, that's when our life is thrown into confusion. And this is really important because I think most of us are completely unprepared for the weight of storms when they show up. We all get caught off guard. We don't expect that this will go wrong for us. We end up in the boat in the middle of a storm with a sinking tube. So building resilience and reliance in our life is crucial to understand. It'll help us to manage the small things in life, but it'll also help us to understand the big things. Now, I believe God has a lot to say about that, so we're going to look at a passage in Matthew. But just before we do, I want to give us a little bit of background. Now, Jesus has just given his famous sermon, and it starts in Matthew 5. Now, if you've never read the Bible, if you're new with us, if you've just been invited here and you're not even sure what to do with the whole Bible thing, if you're kind of interested in Jesus, I'd encourage you to read Matthew 5 to chapter 7. This is his famous sermon sermon this is where jesus really lays things out and explains what he believes explains who he is and explains what he's calling us into so it's a great way if you're just wondering who's jesus i like he seems like a great guy i don't know much about him or maybe you've been a long-time churchgoer but you don't really read the bible i really encourage you read these two chapters matthew 5 to matthew 7. and so jesus begins to teach he has all these religious people listening to him he has all this way of the way life is done in israel and he's beginning to flip things on its side and he's beginning to bring this revolution that shocked everybody and he basically jesus what he does is he calls for people to decide between himself and the religious establishment now i think if for us to hear that we're like yeah no brainer jesus over religious establishment this makes complete sense what's even the conversation here we choose this in a heartbeat But I think we need to realize that for a jewish person at that time to hear any of this would have been mind-boggling because everything about who they were as jewish people was everything to do with their relationship with god they were so uniquely different than all the other cultures and everything that that was understood in their story from the exodus story of becoming a nation was this idea that they had all these rules they had to follow they had to lay these rules out. They had to party on these special festivals. They had to do all these things, and all those kind of things made them who they are. It was their identity. So when somebody shows up and says, now, don't do this anymore, would have been a huge disruption. Would have been a huge storm in their life because it's contrary to everything they ever have known. It would have been so different and unique. Like, it would have boggled people. This is why when we hear those stories, you hear people sneering at Jesus or walking away or shaking their heads, and you're like, how come these people don't get it? Because it was telling them to live their life completely different from what they have known all their life. So we're going to jump in in Matthew 7, verse 24. So Jesus has been just teaching this great sermon, and he's telling people to choose. He's drawing a dividing line, and he says this Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. saying okay so you've heard the way i want you to live your life now if you pattern your life after my life and do what i say and do what i do your life is going to seem like you're wise like you're building on the rock and i mean people would have got this because i mean people are not dumb they build houses on foundations they don't want to build stuff on sand or anything that's that's not lasting we get that We, we dig holes and build foundations to Make sure the frost doesn't, you know, crack our foundation. Romans built roads all all around them at that time, and Romans were good. Their Their roads still exist, so we can maybe learn some things. But people understood what Jesus was talking about. This wasn't that revolutionary. But we need to understand the context of what Jesus is talking about. Also, where he's speaking at. He's speaking at the Sea of Galilee, where there's a hard surface. When the sun beat on all the sand, it became very, very hard. And people knew they need to dig down to the bedrock to build a house. But the sand seemed like a very strong foundation, very solid foundation. They had everything together. So Jesus says, The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, this is verse 25, and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it didn't build on this sandy foundation. It dug down to the bedrock and it had foundation on the rock. Build your houses then on the rock. Now, I don't know, if you grew up in church, you might have heard this verse lots before, you know, build on the rock, not on the sand. It sounds like, yeah, that's common sense. Thanks, Jesus. That's awesome. And Jesus continues, he says, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. We need to look at these verses very carefully because they are at a plain reading, at a flat level, they make complete sense. But Jesus is unpacking something here and this is very significantly at the end of this Sermon on the Mount, at the end of his greatest message. Think about it. He's just told everybody that everything they knew, established by law and by the religious leaders, was not to be followed anymore and people were to follow in his way. What he's saying is that everything that looks solid in your life all the rules that you've been following look solid but are actually like sand this would have been a huge disruption for people you're saying all the things that moses has passed down to us all those rules all those things that we're supposed to be really dialed into are just like the sand on the sea of galilee That when the rain comes it'll actually wash away why is Jesus saying this? I mean, d- didn't God give them these rules? And here's what I think Jesus is saying. He's saying this is that you're living for the rule's sake. You're appearing like everything's okay. You're appearing like you're solid and everything's, got, everything's figured out and you're holy and you're righteous. But when a real storm comes, you break. Because all of your life is built on a bunch of rules, but not at the heart of who God is. See, the rules were always about the heart. They were always for the person, not the person for the rules. You see what I'm saying here? The rules were always about the heart for the person, not the person for the rules. The whole unified story of the Bible that teaches about who God is, from the First Testament, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, was pointing to a new humanity, a way of living, of putting into practice of who God is. It was never about just some rules and just being obedient to some things. It was always about changing who you are at the core of who you are because you know who God is and beginning to live your life in such a way that all those around you become blessed. Become cared for. All your neighbors become loved. But instead, instead, we as people, if we have a whole bunch of rules, we'll obey them and we'll make them very black and white. And in fact, we'll even make loopholes that we can kind of do other things long as the rule is still there, so we seem solid, we seem grounded, we seem like everything is holy and put together. And Jesus is saying, you missed the point. You saw these rules, but you didn't understand them. You followed these rules. And you appeared like you're solid but when storms of life showed up you were shaken and broken so choose he says don't just hear these words and say okay i believe now i'm a christian because it's more than that i want to be really careful here but so many times in christian life and those of you who are not christian and maybe you're visiting and you're listening and thinking man A lot of Christians I've met have been all about appearances, about looking all put together, all about the things they don't do. And they tell me I just have to believe and everything will be okay. Listen to what Jesus is saying. Verse 24, first part. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Jesus is saying, when you hear these things, when you believe, when you agree to my message, my way of living differently in this world, when you do this, you actually join a revolution. The way you join this revolution is you begin to act on it, you begin to live it, you take the words seriously. They're not just rules, they're not just flat things on a wall somewhere or on the paper, on your smartphone. They're dynamic. Full of context and meaning because they're always after the heart of God. And it's not safe. So many times, uh, <laughs> I hate talking about this, but so many times we, what we call action is like engaging with Internet. We hit a like or we hit a dislike or make a small comment. And then we go on living as if nothing actually really matters. Jesus saying this revolution is so serious that you must begin to live in this way, to put into practice, to exercise it. The Greek word here is poeo, which is a kind of a fun way to say it, poeo. And it has good meaning that it's this kind of old English word of abiding in this. You abide, which really means to make home, to live in this way, that it becomes your household. It becomes a way you live and see the world. It becomes all of who you are. So why is this important? Because following Jesus does not remove storms from our lives. It doesn't bubble wrap you from the problems. It doesn't pull you away and puts you in that nice shiny community where you're removed from the world and you, everything could be perfect here. What following Jesus does is allows you to withstand a storm. Not because you're untouchable, not because you're safe, but because God is good. Because the way of Jesus is about the heart and about the whole person. The way of Jesus cares for all of us and invites us to care for others the way God sees and cares for other people. Invites you to have vision of other people, your neighbors, even those who don't dress like you, don't talk like you, don't look like you, as image bearers of God as your brothers and sisters, as people who matter. The way of Jesus takes us into uncomfortable situations, into places where our fear does not want us to go into. The way of Jesus took Jesus into uncomfortable situations. And what I notice is the church is the liveliest and the most vibrant in the most persecuted places. So Jesus challenges this safe way of thinking. He challenges this surfacey looking faith that looks solid and put together. And he says, choose me instead of that. Build your house on the rock. This is the only way to survive the storms of life. This is the only way to see past the storms because they will come. Oh, and by the way, rock in the Bible is a constant metaphor for God. So Jesus is kind of doing this double thing here. He's really unpacking a lot of stuff. He says, live in my way because living in my way is living on the way of God, which is he's revealing himself to these people who follow Yahweh, follow one and only true God and he's saying, I'm actually God. We often don't see that when we have just a flat reading. It's not about the rules. It's not about appearing the right way, the holy way. It's about living in a revolution because God has always design things for you even in the midst of storms to build your life on God to love your neighbor to care for the poor for the widow to hate injustice that is the way of Jesus look we will always be afraid of something the fear is a motivator and organizes and gets us going about things but jesus steps into that fear with resilience and perspective that says there is more to life than what you see there is a hope for you and i don't want to undermine anybody's storms some of you are in such heavy things that who am I to even talk about them but i know jesus suffered so that when we're in the storms he we have a god who says i understand I understand how painful and terrible this is. Change your life in the way that you're going to put this into action, to live out in my way, not because you'll avoid storms, but because you'll go into them head first, knowing that there's hope on the other side. Dallas Willard, he's a brilliant theologian, philosopher, writer, he put it this way, it's a great quote. We don't believe something by merely saying we believe it or even when we believe that, we believe it. We believe something when we act as if it were true. You see what he's saying here? He says, how we live tells everyone what we believe. Our actions matter. How we live tells everyone what we believe. It's not what we tell people. It's not what we shout at people. It's not how we isolate ourselves and bubble wrap ourselves and talk ourselves how great we are that actually tells people something very different what stepping into the way of jesus does it steps us into fear steps us forces us through our fears into the storms and gives us a vantage point a perspective that god has on life it allows us to see the world in a very unique and different way So don't act just all religious and righteous. Care for others because that's what God does. And in your lifelong question, what's in it for me, that question begins to get answered. You will begin to find what you have always craved for. You'll find meaning in this world. You will enter into the way of Jesus. Jesus. Okay, very quickly, I want to read this next part out of chapter 8 in Matthew. So Jesus just talks about the storm. He says, build your life on me. Build it on the rock. Choose between me or this religious system that seems to be getting you nowhere. And then we have this, starting in verse 23, chapter 8. that he got into a boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake. So the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, O oh, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Here's what Jesus is saying. Trust me, even in the midst of your storms. Trust me because I'm not just another good teacher, but because I'm God. He's extraordinary. He shows us a life that can be lived even with the fears of death. So he said, why are you afraid? I mean, if we're honest, because it's scary, right? It's not like our senses get dull and we're not scared of something that's, well, scary. Jesus says, build your house on me. Put my way into practice. Practice. Receive the vantage point that you could see eternity and hope with grace despite of the storms in your life. And do this because your heavenly Father is good and he loves you and he's for you. So storms will come and they'll shake us up and they'll terrify us and unhinge us But in and through those storms, build your house on the rock of Jesus. A rock does not crumble, the rock does not break. Because Jesus entered the same storms, and it cost him his life. And he did that so we could have life, so we could understand that there's a resurrection that awaits us when we live in the way of Jesus, that there is hope, that there's a future doesn't avoid all the other storms it doesn't avoid all the things that are coming our way but it gives us hope and strength to live in a new way if you're new with us and you're thinking like okay i'm hearing stuff about jesus he's good he's better than religious systems but he's also god and he died and rose again and i don't even know how to put that all together i want to just let you know about our alpha program i want to have a so no uh, so what now what out of this sermon out of this message i want you to if you're not sure with who God is, I want you to check out Alpha. We started at the end of September here. It's a safe place for you just to ask questions and to wrestle with life and to say, what does it mean for me? I'm in the storm. How is this Jesus guy, how is he going to make things better for me? It's a safe place to ask questions. It's a safe place to even disagree with someone. I want to just invite you into that conversation. The other ministry, the other um, environment that i want to talk about is the vantage point now we have an information meeting happening on september 15th it'll be a place to come and ask questions about vantage point and what vantage point is is a place to ask about uh or talk about your story with a small group of people who get to share their story and who get to understand what god's story and your story have in co- in common and how they intersect and how they work with one another and so i want to If you're not sure if that's something for you, just please register, come to Information Desk and sign up for our uh, information meeting. it will just be a great way to find out more about the vantage point and what is offered and how you can get connected. Next week, of course, is our kickoff Sunday. Bring your friends, invite your neighbors. But I want to talk about, I want to conclude with this storm. Jesus, just like us, experienced storms in life. He experienced pain, betrayal, gossip mockery and even death what turned the world upside down is the event that shocked everybody including those closest to jesus that was the event of the resurrection without the resurrection we may not have any hope in those storms we may wonder why us we may wonder why is life so unfair and to be fair it is unfair But because of the resurrection, we have a hope that is beyond the storms. We have a hope that that is forever and for eternity that our whole soul craves for. May you know today as you leave that you have a God who loves you so deeply that he entered the storm for you and with you. That he, he didn't leave you abandoned, he didn't walk away, he didn't say, deal with it on your own, just get tougher, man up, stand up. He entered the storm and died so we could have life. We are not alone in the storm. May you build your house on the rock. May you take Jesus seriously and put his, his words and his actions into your actions and your lifestyle. May you know that you have hope and life and resurrection. To the fullest and may you know when you're afraid to lean into god's love because perfect love casts out all fear let's pray god we thank you that you're not far removed we thank you that you're not somewhere out there but that you're here for us we thank you that you have suffered the storms of life and we thank you that you offer us the hope of life and in the midst of our storms, we can lean into you and find hope. Because you're good. Be with us today as we go from here. Praise in your name. Amen. Now we're going to have a team up front. If there's something that stirred your heart and you want to talk about, please take a moment to come up and talk with somebody, to pray with somebody. Go in peace.